Hello. Hello. I was just about to call you. <laughs> no way. Yeah. What? Well, I was just sitting here thinking about you, like, you know who I haven't talked to in a while? <laughs> and and I was, like, you know, just hanging out, and, and you're, you came you came to mind, and I thought, you know, I might as well, might as well just give Don a call, see what, uh, see what he's up to, see if he's busy, um, see if he's got, I don't know, like an hour, hour and a half to talk. And, and here we are. And do you? Is this a good time? <laughs> well... Let me explain my thought process, which was which was slightly different from yours, um, because a little bit of like inside uh, inside baseball here uh, that the, the listeners may or may not know um, is that you usually call me um, and uh, we had a call set up and we confirmed before the call as we usually do. And uh, usually you're you're quite punctual or you text me indicating that you're making uh, you're pushing a tonks or you're uh, yeah, yeah. doing I'm a whatever. To the, the uni- I've got the uh, urinal in my in my room here that I had to use. And, Some of that stuff. And I looked at the clock and it was like it's past time to record. Uh, Ben's probably not online. And then it's like, oh, Ben's online. I sh- why hasn't he called? And then I was just reaching for to click that button. And then the, the phone, the phone, the Skype rang. And uh, here Skype you rang. are. So you know why I was – it took me an extra – um, I don't know, 30, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, uh, today. Um, I did something. Do I sound a little different? Do I sound, do I sound like I'm not hunched over? Cause I'm not, uh-huh. I'm, I'm well, sitting very, very comfortable, extremely comfortably. Huh? Uh, I was going to say you sound more handsome, but oh, you well, know. thank you. Thank you. Um, so, so Don, what, what is this uh, episode like 180, 120 something? One, um, 120, 121, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. It is. Yeah, we're 120, 121. Um, I, so, so, you know, we, we've had, uh, um, we've talked about our infrastructure. That's what I like to call it. Our tools, our equipment uh, for podcasting. And one of the things that I've had um, in the past is a, like a podcast microphone arm that raises the microphone directly to my to my mouth level. Uh-huh. Um, that arm is, um, unfortunately, still remains in my home office and uh, not here yep. in my office office. Yep. You know what I have here in my office office, Don? What? Books. I have oh. a stack of books that yes. I, like, after maybe recording, I don't know, 30 or 40 episodes here in my office without this arm. I just thought, I looked over, I sat down, put my microphone, I, I dragged my, my table over so I don't have the uh, boom, boom, boom of, mm-hmm. of clicking uh, on the same table. Um, and uh, and then I thought, you know what? I don't want to hunch over anymore. I wish I had that arm, that microphone arm. And then I looked and saw these books and I thought, huh, they could become my microphone arm. So I'm now talking to you extremely comfortably in my chair, not hunched over with a microphone right at the right place um and and it's uh it's because i got a stack of books including a uh, food science textbook um called uh creatively uh food science um also in my stack of books is one of my favorite books which i'm is i think a a political issue now but a a book uh uh, called the skeptical environmentalist you know this book it's a really good book i I enjoyed it and read it uh read it a number of years ago yeah, yeah. So it's it's in my it's in my personal library here. Bjorn Lomberg, uh, uh, who's uh, I think uh, Matt Sundin's left winger. Um, and then of that tennis guy. I think I think so from uh, the uh, from the Royal Tenenbaums. 
Um, then I've got another book uh, called uh, is one you might know called Safe Handling of Foods from Farber and Todd. Uh, Farber and Todd. And then uh, Modern Food Microbiology from Jay. Jay. Now, yeah, now do you I'm, do you are you rolling old school Jay or oh, you... I'm, I'm rolling old school. I'm rolling fourth edition. Whoa. Because yeah. you know, you know, there's a modern food uh, microbiology more recent edition by Jay um, Lostner and Golden. Yeah, that's. I'm not even. I haven't even uh, picked that one up. I'm still going. I'm going old school. I like. I like to be retro. Um, and then I got this other book that I've never read called Twinkie Deconstructed. Oh, yeah, I've heard uh, of that. Yeah, I don't even know where I got it. So anyway, that's my st- that's my stack of books. Uh, that are uh, now the perfect microphone height. I'm so like, I, this is a life hack. I'm gonna, in fact, let life hacker know that I just life hacked my microphone stand. It's at least as good as as using soap to clean your dishes. It is, and and letting it air dry. Don't worry about drying. Just air dry. Use some soap. Air dry. Um. So there you go. Life life hack today for all the uh, for all the podcasters. Uh, use a stack of books for your road podcaster. Well, uh, while we're while we're talking about um, uh, uh, our podcast setup, so like you, I have a boom mic at home. Um, but unlike you, I usually record from home, and today I am not uh, because we uh, we rescheduled to Thursday, and it th- turns out I had to come into work on Thursday because I got a meeting. So I am recording from my my office office as opposed to my home office, and. Uh, I do not have a boom arm at work. I have a microphone stand, um, which means that I I have to be. It's good. It's good that one of us is comfortable and one of us is not going to make uh, uh, yeah. b- bumpy noises in the background because because if I was oh. if I was typing, it hello, would, it, would sound, it would sound like that. Um, so I uh, I have my uh, my microphone stand. Um, I noticed before as you were talking, I was setting my coffee down on my desk, which was making a noise. So I've moved my coffee to an adjacent table. I've got my keyboard in my lap in case I need to type. Uh, but it is and it, and it, I I, I it, the, my desk is at the correct height, so I'm not like hunched over. But it's definitely not as nice as using my uh, my boom mic. So we'll, somehow we will we will struggle through. Do you you should get some books. Well, it's a life. It's a life hack. I'm just. I I'm, I'm not sure if you heard about this. I don't think. Uh, I don't think books would help me in this particular case because the microphone is already at the correct level. Um, I no, need for your, oh. for your for your seat. Maybe you need to uh, sit on some books. Sit on some books. Yes. Put some books under your feet. Just raise your feet up a little bit. I think that might make you a little comfort- more comfortable. Like okay. uh, like one of those uh, I don't know, angled uh, footrests. Sure, I'll work on that. Uh, <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm like Don. I'm a whole new man. By uh, yeah, by I can tell you're fired up. Oh, I'm fired up. I'm fired up. I I have oh I just I just moved a bell Whoa. over. Yeah, just uh, just getting ready, just in case I say something funny. Um, I uh, I, I I've had um uh, you know because so we talk about our setup. Uh, this is all goes in the show, right? This it's in the show. It's, it's in, in the, the show. show. Yep. Um, uh, like to talk about our setup, like talk about things we're, we're drinking, uh, and consuming. I have had, um, just had a one, one triple uh, latte today. And then I've switched. This is, this is unlike me. Um, I, I'm, I'm drinking something that is usually a later in the day beverage for me earlier. And I got myself a diet Coke. Whoa. 
Yeah, just uh, you know, I like to still drink coffee this this late. This is my like in my coffee zone, but uh, I was feeling like it, it's like it's like ninety degrees out here. Mm. Um, it's sunny, and I needed something refreshing, and I uh, I didn't have the uh, ability to make myself a, a an iced coffee or a cold cold brew because um, I'm not quite that advanced yet in my office, uh, and so I went to the vending machine, got myself a diet coke. How about twenty that? ounces? Twenty twenty whole ounces. You know. One, <laughs> I, I should have I should have thought of that. So and the awesome thing. So we have a venue. So we are we were a Coke campus and then we were a Pepsi campus and now we're a Coke campus again. And I cannot express how delighted I am because I really don't <laughs> like uh, Pepsi products. Um, apologies to anyone from Pepsi who's listening. Um, but uh, and if you want to be a sponsor, I mean, <laughs> exactly. let us let us know. We'll, we'll be happy to try. Exactly, we'll be happy to try to like Pepsi if you give yeah. us some money. Um, but uh, so we do have a, a vending machine that sells Coke products now, and the most awesome thing is. I can pay for that Coke product with my watch because the vending machine takes <sighs> Apple Pay. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Okay, so but, but here, but here's the thing: I forgot about that today, um, and I was lamenting the fact. So I went. Uh, so we have this new um, uh, cafeteria, which I've talked about before, called Harvest, which only sells healthy food. And I had a very delicious, healthy salad with some Brussels sprouts and with some salmon in it. Um, but because the healthy cafe only sells healthy food, you can get coffee there, but you can't get artificial sweetener, um, and you cannot buy soda there. So, the, so what I did was I, I've got, I've got a, a delicious uh, coffee, which I brought back to my office and I, I put my own artificial sweetener in it. And I got a, uh, a Coke manufactured Daisani sparkling water, um, berry flavored. So I've got the cold refreshing wow. as well as nice. the hot and uh, stimulatory. Now, will you, will you alternate or will you Tell me about your beverage con- consumption I, I, patterns here. Well, will so will here, you go like one sip, one sip, or no? Yeah, how's I, that going to work? I, I will probably, I will probably um, consume the coffee first because it's hot and it's cooling off, and I don't like cold coffee. Whereas warm soda, I can tolerate. So I will probably um, ingest the coffee as quickly as possible to take me up to that optimal caffeine level. To do, and I'll sort of ride that ride down through the rest of the podcast, and then as my voice starts to fade a little bit, I will I will refresh it with some soda. So it will be it will not be a, a, a alternating. It will be a one hundred percent coffee switching over to one hundred percent soda, or or a very very minimal uh, mixing of the beverages. Okay, good. I, so I I am one. Um, this is less less. Uh, likely to happen when I'm not at home, but I'm one to have maybe up to uh, three beverages on the go at one time. Whoa. Yeah. That's some, madness, sometimes. man. Madness. It is. It is. I might have some water. I might have a soda, uh, which is, and I say soda um, in the generic form. The only soda I, I drink is Diet Coke. Um, and, <laughs> oh, and so I might have, it's, like, yeah. uh, it's like when you're from the South and you say Coke. <laughs> right. It's like the opposite, right? Yeah. Where I actually mean Diet Coke for everything, soda, now, now that, pop, whatever. Well, it's an important question. So I know uh, in the South it's Coke, um, on the on the in the East it's soda, and then as you move towards the Midwest in the United States, it becomes pop. Is there uh, is there is there a, a soda slash pop uh, 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 membrane border in Canada as well? I, I believe so. So okay, I we're, this now is we're, really important. We're on, yeah, where I'm from. <laughs> It would only be known as pop, ah. um, and uh, it, 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 but like you would never uh, or 
you would never order a soft drink may, or maybe, I don't know, they would offer you something if you were going for dinner. Um, when, you know, would you, would you like something to drink? And you would, you would order it by name. Uh, yes, I would like a Diet Coke. I would like a, a Sprite. But uh, collectively, it would be known as pop. Um, in fact, we had a um, – I don't know if we've talked – we might have talked about this like a long, long time ago. But um, there was a culture in the 80s of these um, uh, retail outlets called the pop shop in small towns. Um, and this is uh, the pop shop as in the pop shoppy mm. with, uh, with a double P-E. And uh, you would go and – take these reusable bottles um to the pop shoppy and they would fill up uh your bottles with uh whatever syrup and uh, carbonated beverage that you want and you you'd just like do this thing back and forth where my my grandparents uh subscribed to the the pop shop mm. um and uh but yeah there was it, it was it's pop it's definitely pop huh. it's not fizz huh or or soda um, and in fact, I, I always kind of catch myself like I, I never know what it should be here. I'm pretty sure it's soda, but I, I, I'm like there's always a pause of like, am I pronouncing it right? Is it is it soda? Is it soda? Is it should I have said pops? Is it Kleenex? Is it what you know, what is it that, uh, that so- I want to call it? Sody pop. It's sody pops. Um, yeah. So the pop I'm going to look up, look up the pop shop here. Pop shop P. Um, so it's maybe that was that an American thing? Did you guys have that too? What's that? Oh no, it is the pop shop is Canada's original soda pan, soda pop pop brand established 1969. It's a soft drink retailer originating in London, Ontario. Huh? How about that? So turns out it's really easy to find um, uh, um, uh, soda pop Coke maps of the United States. Not so easy for Canada, but I did manage to find one in a, a Business Insider article because uh, this is why people tune in, Ben. It is. Well, you can uh, we can overlay that with uh, the uh, Pop Shop uh, Wikipedia page. Over five. It, okay, so I don't. Um, where do you get it? In two thousand, it still exists. In two thousand and sixteen, the pop shop was acquired by Beverage World. Of course, it was. Uh, oh, in two thousand and twelve, they announced they were replacing corn syrup with cane sugar in all their beverages. Whoa! So there you go. Old school, Gator. rolling yeah, old school, no. going old school. Got to go to Mexico to get that for Coca Cola. Yeah, that's, there you go. Uh, circa nineteen seventy seven, there were twenty six original flavors: uh, cola, cream soda, fruit punch, grape. Grape is is got to be one of the old all time best soda flavor as a kid man that was my go-to i love grape, grape soda. soda oh diet how about diet grapefruit sound good whoa wow. that's yeah. uh you know I, we, we've talked before about the um soda stream product and they make a diet grapefruit flavored flavor for their soda stream soda that is really good but uh huh. i'm just too lazy and i just drink the the plain uh, soda now but but boy the diet coke diet diet grapefruit um, for uh, um, um, SodaStream, really good. Huh. Highly recommend. Well, there you go. Well, I, there, there you go. There you go. Uh, soda. Pop, I, see, I'm, I'm still. I, I haven't. I, I don't know. I haven't jumped into that yet. Uh, into making my own soda stream stuff. It's pretty I'm, good. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. So there, here's my. Here's the reason. Um, I like. I mean, I really like Diet Coke, 
uh, is number well, one. Well, hey, please, I understand completely. You know, it's I, I do not we I do not drink a lot of diet coke, but when when I got when I had my soldier my soldier my shoulders. <laughs> My my soldier shoulder surgery. Um, my wife, because she's lovely, said, "You know, is there anything you want? Any comfort foods?" And I said, "Yes." And because we had, I had comfort foods when I was when I broke in my wrist, and so my comfort foods are Diet Coke in the house, which we we never have in the house, and also ice cream. And so, oh, um, nice. so we've uh, we've been having we've been eating a lot of ice cream and drinking. I've been drinking. She doesn't like uh, she doesn't like uh, brown soda, and she doesn't like diet soda. So so Diet Coke is like the anti uh, soda for her. But uh, yeah, so diet diet. Uh, coke in the house although i think i'm you know i need to I need to get back to the real world and stop uh, comforting myself and just suck it up uh, I, I i i comfort myself but i've not i don't have any uh soldier surgery um i i like you know you know what i like to eat uh don reese's peanut butter cups Dude, oh i love reese's peanut butter cups they're the best. They are really. This is and that sounds like a setup. Like they're a sponsor. They're clearly not. It is. It is a product I like though. Um, well, what's, and, what's your thought on Reese's Pieces? I'm. I'm. I'm like. I'm. I'm okay with them. If, if they're not my, um, there wouldn't be my choice if I had a small uh, that style of candy. Like I, I would. I would prefer go like an M M&M and M or something. I would go. Yeah, I would go in in order. Uh, peanut M and M, regular M and M. Then uh, Canadian content here, the little known Smarties, which are not American Smarties; they're chocolate Smarties. Mm. Uh, and then I go Reese's Pieces after that. Wow, pretty far yeah. down on the continuum. Yeah, it's. I, I'll eat them. I'll, I mean, if they're there, I'm going to eat them. Um, I, uh, I I like uh, what I really like about Reese's peanut butter cups is how well. You can blend them into ice cream, like at Dairy Queen or um, somewhere as like a Blizzard or whatever they, you know, a Frosty, whatever they're called, depending on where you go. Uh, that that is my go-to ice cream treat is uh, Reese's peanut butter cup. Oh, um, okay, N- not yeah. Reese's pieces. Not yeah. Reese's pieces. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So there you go. Um, so uh, I, I played hockey last night, Don. Um, Did you? Yeah, we uh, we won. We won. Beat uh, beat a, a team called the uh, Pipers, not the Pipers. That's a different team. Uh, we beat we beat just Pipers. Um, so what's and, uh, what's the, what's the the? I mean, I, your your team is Gunga Gunga, right? That's correct. That's and, yeah. That, see, I, yep. I do listen when you talk. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and so, what's the origin of Pipers? Uh, it's uh, named after a bar called uh, oh. Pipers. So that? it's easy. Uh, they and one of their uh, one of the guys who plays on that team owns that bar, so he's he's their sponsor. Um, and yeah, so they're, they're one of our. Uh, I, I wouldn't say they're our enemies, our arch enemies. They're they're a rival team. Mm. We've mm-hmm. we've played them multiple times uh, for meaningful games in the past, and and we haven't beat them recently. Uh, and then we beat them last night, so it was a nice, uh, ni- nice, exciting uh, win. Uh, they pulled their goalie even. Just Whoa, that's exciting when the, when the goalie gets pulled. That's that means Some, you're like it's real. The fans were on their feet. Whoa. Um, well, and by fans I mean the referees were <laughs> had, were not sitting. Uh, oh, one would hope not. No, and uh, it was a uh, it was a late game last night, ten forty five. And yeah. Oh, hey. Okay. So so I did that. I came home. I watched Parks and Rec because I've told eat, you that that's what hummus. I do. I did not eat any hummus. Uh, I didn't eat anything after last night. Um, Whoa. Oh, excuse me. Um, but what I did do 
uh, was I put my AirPods in my ears and watched uh, Parks and Rec. And then I woke up this morning at uh, like 7.20 with my AirPods still in my still ears. Still in your ears. Yeah. And they didn't fall out. I didn't lose them. They didn't fall out. Oh. So I slept all night with these with, with my new earplugs. Let's, let's not even call them AirPods. We'll just call them earplugs now. That's uh, uh, that's really. Have you fall, have you, have you fallen asleep with yours in yet? I have not. Um, my and my my ears are not uh, well suited, and so they will they will rather easily fall out. Um, but I am pleased to report that they have fallen out on the dog walk. Ooh. They they have fallen out when I was bending down to pick up dog poop. They have not yet fallen in dog poop, so I am I'm very excited about that. Do you put any little socks on them to to, or you just got them naked? Socks. I bought some socks. Whoa! Yeah, no. I just you know you like the link. We, we need. I, I need to know about yeah. this. I'll just I'll send you a picture. I mean, they're not. Ah. They're nothing special. They're just like whatever the, um, you know, like earbuds have those little foam things. I just bought some online because I also have ears that if I didn't have these in, it would uh, they'd fall out. Whoa! That's I did not even know such a thing existed. But uh, oh, really? I, All right, here whoa. you got it. Yeah, there you go. I, so I, I might be very interested in this. Yeah, so I, I bought them. I'll send you a link. I just got them on Amazon, like, I don't know, 50 of them for like a dollar. Oh, okay. So and they're then, like literally like socks. Like you just – Yeah, kinda... you just put them on. And then they're like foam. They're very comfortable, but they make it so they add some um, depth to oh, them. Oh, okay. So I see. stick in my ear. Cool. Yeah. I like that. I'll send you some socks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's uh, – and, and then you never like – I don't know. They – yeah, uh, sometimes I find I get a little bit of moisture if I didn't have the socks on in between my ears and the AirPods, and then it like clicks almost because it's like sticking and unsticking. Anyway, this is it's probably too much uh, info for everybody, uh, but yeah, we'll get, we'll get you some socks. So is this the uh, ear skins ear? Pod covers ES2 smoke for Apple iPhone? Oh no, no, I okay. just got these are like. Um, straight out of, you know, Amazon, uh, cheap. Okay. Cause I'm just, I'm just looking, I'm just looking on the internet uh, and on Amazon, but I'm not, I'm not finding them, but, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link. Okay. Cool. Well, so hey, yeah. So in important parks and rec news, um, we started watching parks and rec. Oh, and so what do you, what do you got? What do you got? You love it? I, I think it's great. But as I would have predicted, Kristen does not like it uh, uh, because it is uh, too much like The Office and the British <laughs> Office and that awkward Briti- that awkward comedy and, and that particular style. It just is, it's just not her thing, and <laughs> I could have I could have predicted it. But but we so we watched two episodes, or well, we watched well. I watched two episodes. She started watching one episode and then tuned out pretty quickly, and then said. Um, I'm just going to sit here and do stuff on my iPad. You can watch the next episode if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I, yes. Um, and, and in fact, the reason why Kristen doesn't like it is the exact reason why I love it. Yep. Exactly. Uh, that aw- awkwardness. Uh, and and as, you, as you continue to watch it, I predict that you will um, fall in love with Ron Swanson uh as as a uh character he he is uh in in my second round of viewing i love i he's he's the best character on that on that whole show um there's a point where 
uh, one of the episodes. So he's, uh, you know, for background, he's a, uh, I don't know, city manager, uh, d- department manager in, in city for parks and recreation. And there's, uh, impending budget cuts and Ron Swanson, uh, cheers, uh, because he believes that there is too, too much, um, uh, overspending and wastefulness in government departments, including his own. Which, which I think is pretty funny and maybe telling and uh, very current uh, on what's on what's going on. Yeah. So my my favorite character so far, and Ron Swanson does not figure too much in the first couple of episodes. Right. But my my first uh, the 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 character that that I most enjoy is uh, is uh, Tom Haverford uh, played yes. by Aziz Ansari, and I love I love the fact that he is. Uh, has like a very white sounding name and he is very very much not uh, a white looking dude and and no one can quite can quite figure out his ethnicity and it's yes it's it's awkwardly delightful it's really it's really good have you um did you watch master of none on netflix his show uh so there's another it's another good one i don't know if, if kristen will like it but um check that out it's it's it came out maybe in 2014 um, and it's loosely based on his experiences as um, an Indian American actor from South Carolina moving to New York City trying to get roles, and it's really, it's really, really good. Um, we started watching uh, the final season of Girls last night on HBO, and and I love, I love that show. And, and the last, the first episode of the final season is is phenomenal. Um, really, really good. And it's another show where there's a lot of awkwardness and, and awkward comedy, which, uh, which I like, I feel like I identify with, um, like a 20 something female in New York city. Like huh. that's, that's really my, that's my genre. Interesting. Yep. Uh, really like, really like that show a lot. Well, speaking of HBO, uh, we were uh, very happy to start watching uh, John Oliver uh, last week tonight again, uh, which is which is back on after uh, hiatus. So uh, yeah, oh, like so good. very much. Yep, so good. Um, so so there's some stuff I want to talk about. Food safety um, stuff. Yeah, some food safety stuff, and there's some, and it was you you posted a couple of things in uh, the Dropbox that have that have piqued my interest. <laughs> <laughs> that, yes. that this is exactly what I want to talk about. Okay. So, Don, um, you uh, uh, you received an email or multiple <laughs> emails from. Uh, I, it doesn't say. I think we can read read, read names here. It doesn't oh, say totally. No. Yeah, from Michael Adams. Yep. Um, and just wondering if you were. This uh, goes back to uh, January twenty third. Uh, you looking to get more information about restaurant professionals? Um, we at IMT Tech Plus do various researches on food and restaurant segment and recently compiled a list of 60,000 contacts of various restaurant professionals, including the following. And it's, I mean, just a, an incredible list of multi-unit independent operators, CEO owners and presidents and top executives. Um, you know, if you're looking to get more information and you want the list for some of your leads from sales leads, I think, Don, mm-hmm. uh, just you know, let, let Michael know. And then I, my guess is you didn't respond to Michael <laughs> because Michael sent another message on February 6th saying, I hope all is well, Don. I mean, he seems concerned. Just wondering if you had a chance to review my last email. Look forward to hearing from you. And then another follow-up message from today saying, uh, tried to reach you a couple times uh, through email without success. 
uh, I found something relevant uh, information for your company about these contacts that you would be interested. (laughs) Yes. Let's read that sentence again. I found Uh, something relevant information for your company about these contacts that you would be interested Right. Yes. That, is, that is an actual sentence written by uh, Michael Adams, uh, who is the manager of sales and marketing. And, and I have to say that this is – so this is very much inspired by uh, the award-winning podcast uh, Back to Work with uh, Merlin Mann and Dan Benjamin, um, who both been guests on this show. And, and Merlin and Dan have evolved this regular segment on Back to Work where they read mail from – email from people that want to <laughs> be guests on the show – who have never obviously listened to the show. Um, and I, I, I have to say, um, I would have just normally deleted this, but I am th- – th- so apparently there is a new style of spam email uh, that is very much uh, that is very much in the in the style that they've discussed on Back to Work. That is also very much in the in the line of what uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Michael Adams is doing here. Where it's like it's like this is an email that looks like it's just to you, right? And right. It's not um, it's not obviously spammy, right? Like the message comes from Michael Adams at at company name, right? And and, and, but it, it strikes this sort of very conversational tone. Hi, Don. Right? Like, Hi, Don. Like, like I get a lot of uh, emails to Dear Doctor D W Schaffner, um, PhD. Uh, would you like to come to our conference? Right? And we can talk about some of those because they're hilarious as well. But this is this is really like this is somebody. And the subject line is Don looking for restaurant leads. Right? So it is very. He's very much really trying to convey that he knows me and that he's here to help me and that he has some stuff that I might be interested in. And, and again, it's got this, you know, this, this uh, hope all is well, uh, wondering if he had a chance to look at my email and uh, tried to reach you a couple times. Um, you know, so yeah. it really, I mean, it, it really is, I mean, it may be driven by some, you know, some uh, marketing software, but it is very much, uh, it very much sounds like something, you know, that like it just, it's very much trying to engage you. And, and it's, it's, it's in- interesting to me. And it's also a little bit annoying. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, but so Michael, Michael wants to have a quick talk. About, yeah, just, uh, about he's leads. got leads. Yeah. He's got a lot of leads yeah. for you. A lot of, always be selling, Don. Always be closing. <laughs> always be closing. Uh, where's ABC? my bell? I have no bell, Ben. I have no bell. There you go. <laughs> yeah, for the bell for the Glengarry. Oh my gosh! Oh, so yeah, so if uh, if anybody again, and we'll again, this this show is is turned into the food safety version of uh, Back to Work. Uh, apologies to folks listening to both shows, but uh, yeah. Well, you, uh, there you go. Um, you Don, think the leads are weak, Ben? You're weak. <laughs> you're <laughs> uh, dear dear Doctor Benjamin J Chapman. I'm writing to follow up on my last invitation as below. Would you please give me a tentative reply? Thank you very much. I apologize for the inconvenience of the letter disturbed you more than once. We are pleased to announce that World Education Day, with the theme of inheritance, innovation, development, and philanthropy, will be held during September 29th, 27th to 29th in Dion, China. On behalf of the organizing committee, we cordially uh, welcome you to be the chair speaker at Block 1 Educational Leadership Forums while presenting about educational needs assessments and practices of grocery store food handlers through survey and observational data collection. Um, so uh, blah, blah, blah. We expect your precious comments or suggestions. Also, your reference to other speakers will be highlighted. 
highly appreciated. We look forward to receiving your replies on the following questions. Number one, what is the title of your speech? And two, do you have any suggestions about our program? That was today's response. Or no, when was this one from? Uh, February 3rd. From Amy. On, uh, I'm looking forward to World Education Day. Uh, well, so, so one, one more, one more, and then we got to quit. So, um, so this is from Carol Albert. Um, uh, dear Dr. Donald W. Schaffner, hope you are doing well. Apologize if I am disturbing you with my email. We are, we are sorry to inform you that we cannot <laughs> able to release the upcoming issue before the mid of this month due to the lack of two articles. Hence, I have chosen some illustrious people like you to support us for launching this issue. Your single article sustains a lot of us and impacts my ranking in end of this month. I feel pleasurable to start up this year with your contributions. Hope you will not disappoint me and come back with your piece of writing. Oh, well, Don, you're holding up. You're holding up someone's bonuses. You, you, by not submitting this article that doesn't exist to a journal that I think you're going to have to pay for, um, you're you're holding up uh, year ends, your year over years, uh, quarterlies, whatever, whatever it is on the uh, on the forecasting. Shame on you. Um, okay, so this this uh, let's let's have a, a slight pivot here. To uh, to Funky Jenkins, oh you know about fun- oh. you know about Funky Jenkins. I want I want to be Funky Jenkins department chair. That's all I have to say, Doctor. I want to fun- mentor Funky, Doctor. Not not Tobias Funke. That's a different Funky Funky Jenkins. Um, so so we we've got a we got a friend who I I, I think we'll we'll choose to remain uh, anonymous because uh, we I haven't talked to him about uh, about this I think some I know that some of his uh, friends listen to the podcast I'm not sure he does um, but he he will respond to these uh, requests and has um, had a couple of journal articles uh, published. Um, one on a norovirus outbreak at the North Pole, um, <laughs> and but uh, so funky um, uh, forwarded this on from a few days ago. This is uh, the International Journal of Current Research, uh, um, and, opposed to uh, uh, not current research, not current old research, old research. Um, this cover this uh, issue will cover all areas of. Physical sciences and engineering, life sciences, health sciences, social sciences and humanities, and agricultural sciences. The journal welcomes the submission of manuscripts that meet the general criteria of significance in the subject area. And they're going to publish everything. Short articles, original articles, critical reviews, surveys, opinions, commentaries, and essays. Um, So send it to uh, Dr. Mani at Yahoo and uh, you can get it published. And so... Um, our, our good friend, uh, fun key, uh, Jenkins, uh, responds to this, uh, uh, to this request of what's up. So like, <laughs> I totally love your journal concept here. Uh, I totally keep up with today's demands because like, if it's not now, then, um, effing when, so I have like so many researches going on and ideas and stuff like every few hours, especially in the shower, warm water relaxes me and lets ideas happen, you know? And so I'd love to publish with y'all. I have some ideas like rotavirus uncoding mechanisms, adenovirus, the elderly and Matlock, uh, <laughs> uh, cervical cancer, a Hillegian perspective, 
Um, why the F don't all airlines give us bigger free food portions, possibly the lizard people again, ribosomal error rates, uh, as an evolutionary aid in Shigella. And, uh, finally totes. Um, are you all interested in any of my work and how much data do I need to enter into Excel for you all? Warm wishes, FKG, FKJ. So you can have some fun with these, uh, with these responses. I don't, I don't believe that Funky Jenkins re- received any, uh, any response, but there's, there's, there's an increasing, uh, number of these, these requests and, and so much so. So, um, we, uh, a, a couple of us put together a, uh, um, symposia, uh, idea for IAFP, um, on, uh, predatory journals, predatory conferences as like, a like a life hack, like an instructional guide on how to avoid and here are things that happen. And we did not, um, I don't think we developed the idea well enough to uh, convince the uh, uh, program committee to let us on the program for 2017, but we're going to revisit it for 2018 because there's just more and more of this. And as a, you know, if I was a student, if I was um, uh, a, a young researcher, and someone is like, hey, you have great researches. Please be happy to take them to us. Um, I'd be like, I, someone's interested in my stuff. I, what do I do? And I would explore it a little more. Um, and, and it turns out there, there's not much to explore. And in fact, um, it might cost you six or eight or $10,000 to publish a paper and become part of the editorial board. Um, of, of these things, but there's, I mean, there's just so much of it. Also, um, uh, funky, uh, funky Jenkins, Dr. Jenkins, um, now, uh, in a follow-up message, uh, achieved membership on the two editorial boards. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, and I have, I, I mean, this is obviously, this is, this is, I mean, this is funny and fun, but also it's, it is a serious problem for science. And I, at one point I did <clears throat> foolishly get on one of these fake journal editorial boards. And, and it's interesting because there are some that are just obviously fake. There's some that are quasi fake and there's some that it's just really impossible to tell. Um, and I did get on one of those, uh, editorial boards, um, because I was just an idiot, um, and eventually got myself taken off, but it was, it was definitely not easy. Um, and so, so a couple, couple of bits of follow-up. So first of all, um, if you are a fan of the podcast and you are on LinkedIn, um, Funky Jenkins is also on LinkedIn and, and Ben, you and I are linked to, uh, to Funky and, uh, his, his profile picture is fantastic. It's, uh, it's him, um, uh, uh, wearing, very, looking very, uh, lab, lab Cody and, and scientific. And then, and there's a wonderful, uh, like a, a merged photo with I, I'm not doing it justice explaining it, but he's basically um, in, in a, anyway. It's a, just just go go look look up Funky Jenkins F U N space K E E Jenkins J E N K I N S on, on LinkedIn, and uh, by all means uh, uh, link him up on LinkedIn. He's an assistant professor of science at the University of Phoenix, spelled F H E E N. I-C-K-S. Um, so really, really first rate. And then also we will link to – so we'll link to his LinkedIn profile. And then also uh, he has a, a new article out in the Journal of Nutritional Health and Food Engineering entitled uh, Spicy In Means Spicy Out Capsaicin-Associated Anal Burn, C-A-A-B, in Three U.S. Metropolitan Populations, a Newly Proposed Classification System. So so really just cutting-edge work, um, highly, uh, highly recommended. Um, and then also – 
actually somewhat related to science. So there is there was a thing uh, called um, Beale's List, which is a list of predatory journals. And recently, um, uh, Dr. Beale, I think, um, uh, took the list down from the internet. So have you have you heard anything about this? I did, and and so I think that um, it was uh, what I um, what I remember hearing is like someone said that he had pressure put on him by some folks, and then he came out and said no, it was just getting to be kind of a crazy list to to maintain, and uh, and then took it took it down. Um, there is a link, uh, excuse me, to inside a higher ed. Um, where uh, it's uh, that I'll, I'll send to you here. Jeffrey Beal, scholarly communications librarian at the University of Colorado Denver, uh, created the list in 2008. They grew to include thousands of journals and publishers. Um, and uh, he um, it said, you know, he was forced to sh- shut it down due to internet thre- uh, due to threats and politics. So. Yeah, it w- yeah. I don't know. And, and it, it seemed to me like I mean, it was a great it was a great service, but I can see how this could just become a full time job. And then also, like what what are your standards by which you judge this? Right? I mean, you know, I mean, certainly, I I love the idea of open access. I love the idea of that's. I mean, so for years, scientists were reliant on publishers to publish their research because it was really hard um, to to print things, right? And now with the internet and the increasing digi- digitalization of science, um, it's it's become easier to do that. In fact, it's become in- incredibly easy. Um, but yet, at the same time, there's a potential for erosion of standards. I mean, there's just there's so many confl- interesting and conflicting things going on, right? Like science scientists want to publish stuff. Um, certainly speaking, as a guy who's had papers rejected, I would like to get papers published without them being rejected. But at the same time, I want to publish in in good journals, and I do agree that peer review has a has a role to play and as a, as somebody who volunteers his time doing peer review um you know i i want my reviews to be considered seriously so i don't know it's just it's one of, it's 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 like many things that are going on in the world right now and that we're in this transition period and i think you can draw some pretty uh um, um, analogous comments to what's going on with journalism, right, and how easy it is for people to, to publish stuff that is, you know, uh, news or fake news, and, and and people like the Washington Post and New York Times struggling, at least until recently, struggling to get um, readers. Failing. Yeah, I heard they're failing. failing. Yeah, the failing New York Times is there, as yeah. they're sometimes known. Um, which, by the way, you know, the, probably the best thing they could have ever ever done um, was was for Trump to be elected because now tons of people are subscribing more people are subscribing so I don't know it's a, it's just an interesting time Ben I mean the world the world is changing and uh, because of the internet and because of uh, you know digital content and 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 science is is part of that and and Beale's list was part of that as well so uh, yeah I don't know just uh, I don't know in- very interesting times yeah and and so um, the it is, and it. I, I've got I've got two things here. One, just going back to this uh, Inside Higher Ed uh, article, they talk in here about um, Beals was um, was sued by Omix International, and right. Omix International is a group that I think daily I get invited to some conference to speak at to submit an abstract, and they sued him for a billion dollars in damages because uh, he described them as the worst of the worst. Um, and and so so there's I mean 
there there's there's clearly money being made on this, right? Like right. the enough that 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 this list by by someone who you know is just an individual ends up leading to some some level of uh, claim of damages. Um, Second thing is we uh, a couple of years ago um, at Conference for Food Protection, there was a submission uh, on, like an issue that was submitted that had an accompanying journal article from one of these predatory journals. Um, and uh, one of our um, one of our FDA friends uh, sort of highlighted this to me. We were sitting um, at, you know, in the in the audience as we were looking through the package. Be like, oh, well, here's an interesting paper here. Let's do a little digging on the internet about what I've never heard of this journal. Let's look at it, and it turns out it was you know one of these one of these journals um, that was on Beale's list, and and that you could um, you know uh, subscribe uh, for a thousand dollars a year, and then that would qualify you as an editorial board member, and that included one free publication a year um, that was fast tracked, you know, all the stuff that it just seems like magic, right? Like you don't know what, what it all means other than it sounds really sketchy and you just paid a thousand bucks and you got a paper out of it. Um, but, but here it is that paper being used, you know, um, as a, you know, put up as a peer reviewed journal article, um, to, to change a policy. And so it just, it, it, it just sort of spins and spins and spins, and there's this whole ripple effect of this of this process. Um, I, I find it interesting. We just went through our um, reappointment, promotion, and tenure uh, rules in our in our department, and um, you know your your department, I'm sure, is is like mine, where you where you have individuals from various backgrounds, and and you might not know. Like I know, I know what the food safety um, journals are right. Like I know, I, I know about journal of food protection. I know about food protection trends. I know about food control. I know about the British food journal. Like I'm, I'm familiar. Cause that's where I'm reading the, the newest research in, in my colleagues fields. I'm not familiar with them. And so I, I can't eyeball whether one of their, um, you know, one of these journal articles that might show up is in a predatory journal or not. And it's still like, we, we had this brief conversation about that on, on how, you know, it's how it still looks like it's peer reviewed, but it's, but it's not. And, and you, you don't like the, our, our system, obviously we have a high level of trust with and, and integrity on results and, and data and, and all, all that stuff that, that's sort of the, the cornerstone of the, of the academic world. Um, but, but it's also really easy to, um, to sort of game the system uh, if you if you needed to or if you felt uh, that it was you know advantageous and so like there there are all these it, it, it you're you're right where it seems kind of comical but they're like real everyday concerns in in fields about this predatory journal world that we don't really have a good handle on yeah and and again and I want to point out because this this you know a recurring theme on this podcast is shades of gray and versus versus black and white and <clears throat> without getting into the details i can tell you i served on a promotion and tenure case recently out outside my field um where the person was an editor of his own journal and he had a lot of publications in his own his journal, own journal. Mm -hmm. at which 
because for a variety of reasons, um, wasn't indexed yet, uh, including, you know, some, anyway, some, some legitimate seeming reasons. And uh, it ended up uh, counting negatively, you know, against him in, in the peer review process because of that, right? Because, um, b- because it was perceived to be a lower quality journal and he was just, you know, just sort of padding his resume. I mean, to put, to put a very negative spin on it. I, now, I didn't particularly think that was what was happening, but in the end, you know, it's, it's not just about what I think, it's about what the committee thought and, and it ended up probably hurting this person. And so it's, um, you know, it's, but on the other hand, you could argue the case, well, this is a fledgling journal. He's trying to get it started. He's trying to, you know, boost up this area, this, this unique area where he's well qualified and, you know, he wants to lead with his best work in this journal. And so it's, it's a, it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. It's yeah. And it's a challenge. Like, how did it, how did it work before the internet? Right? Like uh, there was only so there was a finite number of, uh, of places where you could publish research. And, and now that there's no cap on it. And the, the good news is there's lots of places where you can publish things. And, and and like, you know, you you and I have talked about this before. I I know you subscribe to the, to a, a philosophy um, that I'm, that I'm, I'm warm, I've warmed to, which is, yeah, there's a place for everything, right? Like the, the, it, it, the, if, if the work is done, it deserves to get out there somewhere. Um, and so on one hand you've got, that's great that we have more places where, where we can share that, that work. And then on the other hand, it, it becomes a challenge on assessing the quality, the prestige, you know, we, we had a whole conversation about that in our RPT conversation where it's like the prestige of a, of a journal um, should carry some sort of weight and in um, informally or indirectly, I think that that happens already, but to start to formalize, then you got to figure out, well, what, like, like you said, with, um, you know, with the, the shades of gray, what is a, like, what are the metrics for a prestigious journal? What, how do we, you know, science and nature. Yep. They, they, I think, you know, we can, we can agree that those are important publications, but not every field's got a science in nature. So is, you know, is the journal of food protection more prestigious than, um, you know, than, than food control. And I think the answer is yes, but I can't tell you how I made that, that decision. And once you put that into some sort of scale, um, uh, comparison scale that, that, that is, that someone is, uh, relying on for promotion and tenure, it gets it gets really difficult. I think. Well, and and again, we've talked before on the podcast, and we will talk again about impact factor and H index, right? I mean, right. these are so one way of rating the quality of a journal is to look at something called impact factor, and we'll link to the Wikipedia article. But impact factor is a flawed metric, and it was never designed for for ranking journals. And H index is probably not a perfect uh, index either, but it is some way of gauging somebody's quality and quantity of publication, right? And, and again, it's, it's kind of clever because it basically what it's the, – the simple way that it works, and there's a lovely uh, graphic on the Wikipedia page, but basically it says that the, the H index is the, um, the number of papers that you have that are cited by – Let's see. The definition of the H index is that a scholar with an index of H has published H papers, each of which has been cited in other papers at least H times. So in other words, if I have 10 papers, if I have 20 papers and 10 of them have been cited 10 times, then my H 
uh, index is 10. And so the only way it's going to rise to 11 is if I have 11 papers that have each been cited 11 times. And so it is, it is a measure of both quality and uh, quantity. You can publish a lot, but if you're poorly cited, it's going to have a low impact. And then vice versa, if you publish a few highly cited papers, but you don't publish many papers, your H index is also going to be limited. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, and, and, it, and it's, it's, rel- it's more easy within your field. So I can look at someone's CV in, in food science or especially in food microbiology, and I can offer up, I think, a pretty, pretty good assessment of that person. It's going to be a lot harder uh, to assess somebody who uh, is not in those circles where I don't know the journals. And certainly I can look at impact factors of journals. I can count the number of publications. I can look at grant dollars, et cetera. But that's, that's imperfect as well. And the bottom line, it's like democracy, Right, it's a terrible system. It's just the the best one that we have uh, we have so far, and so it, we just make the best of it with what we can. And, and it's it's and you know it's it's tough because you're talking about people's lives, right? You're making decisions right. about how much people are going to be paid, or in the case of tenure and promotion, whether they're even going to have a job. And this is this is some serious business here. Yeah, it's it's really kind of kind of interesting to to look at it, and and it becomes one factor in that in that decision making. Um, especially like, like you said, when you're close to the field, but, but the, you know, the process and it, you know, going from university to university is, is different where you often have, um, multiple outside people who are not familiar with the field trying to, um, apply some sort of metric that, that includes some of this stuff. Um, and, and it, yeah, it does. I, I think it's, I think it's extremely difficult and I don't know if it, um, I don't think it exists in other areas the same way. Like it's, it's fairly unique and to explain it to somebody who's outside of the system is like, wow, that like someone who, who, who comes from our corporate world, it, it just seems like hocus pocus, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, but, but I mean, how do you, how do you define, um, quality in terms of one of our industrial colleagues, right? I mean, yeah. it's, yes, okay, it's return on investment. I saved the company so much money. I did this, I did that. But it, but it's all, it's also similarly, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's similarly gray. It's just that you, and you need that specialized expertise. And then how, how do you do it for our government colleagues and, uh, you know, or for other professions? You know, how is a, how is a lawyer evaluated or a doctor? I mean, again, it's, you know, you can ask the patients or you can ask the clients. You can look at win-loss record or you can look at success rates, uh, you know, for, surger- for surgeons and surgeries. But, I mean, all of those metrics are flawed. Um, yeah. So you, anyway. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, we got down this track because there are lots of uh, predatory journals uh, and lots of people want to invite us to conferences. Oh, speaking of which – Total segue. Um, no, this is a it's a teaser. I'm not. This is not a spoiler alert. But you and I might be together in the fall uh, at a conference where we've been asked to uh, figure out how to do a live podcast. Which yes, we don't indeed. know what that is, what that means yet. But we we maybe we may stay tuned. Is what I what I, I we we haven't sorted it out yet. Yes. Um, which I'm I'm excited about. We got to figure out. Like, do you think we could just do a talk that is us? Like doing a podcast where for an hour and 20 minutes we talk about what we're watching on Netflix and that the people in the audience are like, what was what was that? What did we just see? I'd like to do that. Well, I would be – yeah, I would be willing to try it. I mean I think it's just what we – the way that I would treat it is I would say, OK, um, we are going to be doing a podcast. It is going to be at this location at this time and there's going to be a live audience, which is not – I mean the, the stuff that we've done at – 
IAFP is is similar in that we have had people in the room, but it's not before an audience. And and I'm as long as at least some of the people, as long as the people that have invited us kind of know what they're getting in for, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm totally I'm totally there. I'm ready to I'm ready to do it. And and you know, but you know, no guts, no glory, right? Like I'm I'm willing. I'm willing to give it a shot. Sure, why not? Yeah, why not? Let's try. Let's try this out. I, you know, I've been listening uh, to uh, Pod Save America, and and I've uh, expressed that you should listen to that uh, podcast. They just did a live uh, podcast in in New York City, and it, I think it worked really well. It was like it was like one of their podcasts, but it was not like one of their podcasts. So I'm going to listen to more of those types of things to be like, oh, this is what this is what we could do, something like this. Well, and and again, uh, I will I will uh, see you and uh, and respond in in kind as I've done in the in the past. So I'm listening to uh, Trumpcast, um, which is which is another podcast about politics, and they also recently did a live uh, thing, uh, also in New York City. And so uh, oh. how about that? So weird. Oh, and I. Uh, yeah, maybe and who knows? Maybe it was the same. Maybe it was the, maybe it's it yeah. dual cross posted, as they say. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I almost I was almost uh, uh, ready to start listening, and then uh, I, I got caught up, uh, and then I was almost ahead on my my listening, and then a few more episodes of my regularly scheduled shows uh, dropped in, and so uh, now uh, now I'm I'm back uh, back in my my top tier, um, but I'm ready. I've got those episodes. I've got those episodes saved, and so I'm ready to dip down into uh, Pond Save America. Should there be a lull uh, in my schedule? So fantastic! I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, that's cool. Uh, so so let's talk. Let's talk about some uh, food safety stuff or some almost food safety stuff. Something that that I picked up last night that is not in the um, uh, in the Dropbox. This is I'm going. I'm already going off the board, Don. All right. But but um, did you uh, did you know uh, that in in my hometown or close to my hometown uh, in Coburg, Ontario, that uh, there was a live chicken found in a washroom at a McDonald's. No, I heard there was a cow in New York City, but I don't know about a chicken at McDonald's. Yeah, chicken at McDonald's. Uh, this is this is from um, the Northumberland News, which is um, which is to Northumberland County, Ontario, what the New York Times is to the world. Um, and I, here, here's uh, uh, the art, the story. Uh, there's a chicken in the washroom. A young boy hollered. Uh, the child, five-year-old son of Maria Schultz, who was standing in line around 4 p.m. on Tuesday, February 21st, to place an order for a Happy Meal, raced out of the restroom of a Coburg McDonald's to announce an unusual discovery. There was a live chicken in the washroom. We went and told the staff. Um, Schultz told Northumberland News via Facebook Messenger. They looked at us like we were crazy. Sure enough, however, a live brown chicken was situated inside a toilet stall in the location on William Street. So they all went at once to the bathroom to see if it was a real thing. They were skeptical. Schultz sent a video and photos of the washroom to the encounter in Northumberland News prior to staff removing the chicken from the restaurant. The staff member took the chicken outside. I'm not sure where she put it. Uh, and, and that was it. And then uh, a McDonald's spokesperson, spokesperson uh, told Northumberland News, it's a very unique situation. I've only been with the company for two years, but I can say this is the first media call that I've ever had on this. Um, <laughs> and I have to I have to read to you from the comments because uh, because why not? Uh, first comment: Well, it wasn't going to be slaughtered for McNuggets. Ain't no real chicken in those. <laughs> um, oh, so good. Second comment: Now we know why across the road. And third, they do advertise fresh eggs for breakfast. Definitely somebody's poor attempt at a joke. Oh, the Canadians! The Canadians are funny. 
Um, so, so fun, fun stuff. I, I'm interested to find out what they did with the chicken. I also want to know if uh, what they did to clean and sanitize those stalls. Exactly. Yeah. A little bit of salmonella and campylobacter uh, heightened uh, uh, time to heighten up the, the cleanup. Um, and uh, the, just a little fun fact, Don. Um, uh, you, you know, uh, you know my wife, uh, da- Danielle. Uh, first, our first date at this at the at this McDonald's. No, on William Street. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. This is it. This is. Uh, oh, that's exciting. It is exciting. Back in uh, 1994. Uh, we went to uh, went to see a movie and then uh, went to this McDonald's afterwards. No wonder she yeah. fell for you, man. You're a smooth dude. Smooth, you know. Sixteen years old. This uh, this kind of this kind of stuff that I invested in. Uh, just you know, trying to. Well, you knew just, you knew you knew it was going to be safe, so that's that's always good. Knew it was going to be safe, and and there was affordable. there was a, a it was affordable. There was a slim chance. Um, that there was a live chicken in the in the restroom, and I and I was playing on that. You know, it's not, it's probably not going to happen, but if it does, it'll be notable. So yeah, Williams, uh, uh, William Street, uh, McDonald's in Coburg, Ontario, live chickens. <sighs> so before before we completely leave the uh, the world of uh, 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 strange stuff on the internet, I have to uh, give a shout out to. Uh, uh, Michael Bazzacco on Twitter, um, who who did share something uh, last night and then again this morning, um, uh, which I do want to briefly talk about, um, just because it's so incredibly bizarre. Um, and that is uh, Google apparently blacked, blacklisted something called Natural News, yeah, um, and has removed one hundred and forty thousand pages from its index. Um, uh, Natural News investigative, and I'm using air quotes, but they didn't investigative articles on vaccines, pharma corruption fraudulent science and more um uh, and just to read to you briefly from the article late last week i received a direct threat a direct threat that warned that if i did not take steps to destroy alex jones and info world info wars i would be targeted for destruction in a campaign of smears censorship and defamation instead of giving into the enemy i refused to take the bait and went public with the details of the threat warning everyone in the new media that sinister forces were now being uh were now being pursued sinister forces were now being pursued okay to undermine and silence every anti-establishment and pro-trump voice on the internet uh, true to form today the entire natural news website have been blacklisted by google entirely without warning this is just one of many censorship events that have taken place over the last few days um so i feel uh compelled to point out the definition of censorship um this does not meet the definition of censorship uh, google is a company and they can choose to index uh, whatever they want and if they choose to not index you because you are let's say crackpots um uh that's uh, that's their business so um but this is um, so thanks to uh, Michael for um, uh, enabling me to uh, waste <laughs> several minutes of my life reading this article, or at least parts of this article. Um, boy, there's some uh, there's some wackadoodle stuff out there, uh, Ben. <laughs> oh, there sure is, and this is this is kind of interesting. This whole like d not you know blacklisted. I don't think is probably the right right term, but but d indexing. Yes, yeah. De-indexing, um, it, it, and and you know uh, Google and Facebook have been um, post pre and post election uh, have been pretty vocal about um, not wanting to be part of the uh, fake news establishment and and just you know 
no no evidence or lack of uh, lack of fact type stuff and uh so this you know this this is a an active way to uh to try and to try and combat it and then um just uh just like you would see and expect uh conspiracy uh, breeds more conspiracy right that uh these that that it it kind of uh sometimes validates uh the conspiracy theorists of see i told you that we were on to something now they got so scared they're removing they're de-indexing us right right and and because of because we were we we decided to not destroy uh alex jones and infowars or whatever which i don't know the full backstory there yeah um yeah really really interesting i saw this from from bizarro and and thought oh that's kind of you know he my, michael michael is does a great job um engaging with people on the twitter around um epidemiology and anti-vaxxers yeah. oh my gosh and and i and kudos to him because i don't i don't think i could do what he does um and and i like i, I just enjoy reading what he's doing <laughs> yeah and some of the some of uh, i i want to try to find a way uh, to, to link to this, I try. I tried to find a way to put it into the Dropbox, and I couldn't. And, and now I'm not even sure I can uh, figure out how to do it uh, on the uh, um, uh, on on uh, on, on the web page right now. But some of the responses to his uh, so so basically, the there, uh, somebody on Twitter called Health Ranger said that Google just blacklisted Natural News. Uh, 140k pages gone from the index, um, and then Bazako's uh, comment is good. You spread dangerous lies that can lead directly to disease and death. It's shameful. Um, and then some of the some of the comments um, off of that off of that tweet were, were quite hilarious, including somebody complaining uh, that you know this is this is very bad and, and very very you know just really troubling, and somebody suggesting that uh, they should try t- putting turmeric on it. <laughs> To help, to help how they feel. Um, so uh, obviously, a lot of his followers are, are people that are think like-minded individuals that are that are pro-science and and, and anti-anti-vaxxing and pro-epidemiology and, and and also quite smart and clever people. And so some of the some of the back and forth on that was just was quite was quite delightful. And I, I can't find a good way to link to it, but encourage we'll link to uh, his uh, Twitter timeline and we'll link to the the, the article um, about the the blacklisting um, from. Uh, uh, from the internet, but uh, yeah, if you don't follow him on Twitter, uh, MC Bazako PhD, uh, well, well worth following. He's always, you know, he's not afraid to stir up controversy and express his opinion. And uh, yeah, just, uh, just good, good, good follow on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and just you know, does a great job uh, finding stories, sharing stories, and, and really engaging with people. And you know, it's like the um, that uh, famous cartoon of. I've got to go to the internet. Someone's wrong. Someone's wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think my, Mike um, uh, challenges uh, you know, some of the strongly held opinions out there and, and just like, we'll, we'll just engage with somebody and be like, Hey, you show me, show me your data. Um, and he's uh, not as uh, subtle as that sometimes, which is, which is kind of, which is kind of great to watch. Yeah, indeed. Um, so, I want to uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, some some food safety stuff. And there's there's been a couple of like food fraud things that have popped up in the last um, week, right? So we we have one one story uh, in San Francisco about a restaurant fined one hundred and twenty thousand dollars for serving tilapia as petrol sole. 
Um, and so this is a high, a high end Morgan Hill restaurants under fire after being caught surreptitiously serving customers cheap fish while advertising and charging for a pricier one. Um, a really like hefty fine here. So this was a $120,000 in civil penalties. Um, and then, uh, you know, I assume that there's going to be some, uh, um, some other, uh, you know, fallout with, with consumers. Um, then uh, Food Safety News um, uh, carried a story uh, about um, honey and sort of like the sort of challenging that there are a lot of uh, products labeled as honey out there, but they uh, don't have um, uh, pollen in them. And so it kind of gives this uh, this idea that um, – it, uh, so FDA says any product that's been ultra filtered, no longer contains pollen, isn't isn't honey. Uh, but FDA isn't checking honey uh, to see if it contains pollen. So it, it's a, a definition thing. And then um, the third piece was a study that came out of um, Dalhousie University uh, in Canada, saying that uh, food fraud is a is a is a big concern of of the public and, and sort of these two examples of things that people are, are worried about uh, from a perception standpoint. And, you know, we, we've talked a little bit um, on, on the podcast about fraud situations. And, you know, I think back to the horse meat scandal in Europe uh, a few years ago, um, it, uh, food being sold as other things or like different types of food being marketed differently. This is not a, a new trend. Um, and probably it's not even on the, the rise. It's probably my, my guess is, um, it, you know, that, that we're just getting much better at finding it because of analytics. Um, and, and my, you know, my, my opinion on it is that, um, it's probably not a, f- it's probably not a, a food safety issue, but people should kind of, you know, if they're paying for something, they should expect to get it, right? Like that's, and, and I mean, it can lead to, um, to food safety issues, but on a, um, it, it's not a black and white like food fraud equals food safety problems. Right. It's, it's, I, I liken it to um, like kosher or organic or GMO-free, right? There, there, there are no food safety issues there, but it, it costs more to make food or raise you know, animals or, or grow food organically. And so if I want that, and we can separate want from need from food safety, but say if, if I want that, uh, then I uh, expect it to really truly be organic and not somebody – you know, selling snake oil or, or faking me out. And yeah, there could be food fraud. Uh, there, there's definitely food fraud. I mean, there could be food safety there. You know, again, sort of think about um, uh, melamine and milk, right? Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not really milk and the protein content is not really what it should be. And you're putting, and, and you're putting a harmful chemical in. So it could be, could be food safety, could be not. But um, yeah, this is, this is an important issue and people should get what they're paying for. And yeah, so I want to, I want to come back and, and talk about each of these in turn. Um, and so let's talk about the, the uh, the 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 sole uh, fish first. That um, that fine is a, that is a lot of money for a restaurant. Right? Staggering, I right? Mean, yeah. And and so on the one hand, I feel like oh crap, I feel sorry for the restaurant. And on the other hand, I'm like, well, damn, that is going to get somebody's attention, right? And so if the if the restaurant was um, 
uh, complicit, then, hey, they, they deserve every bit of that. Um, if they were a victim, then I feel kind of bad for them. But I've got to imagine um, that like, – like Seoul you know, is, a, is a fish that looks a particular way. It looks nothing like tilapia. And so depending on the, the nature of the fish, the state of the fish when it came in, um, I've got to think that they probably knew what was going on. Um, and, yeah. and so, so if, they, if, they, if they're innocent victims, then that's a lot of money. If, but if they are guilty, that's still a lot of money. But, but on the other hand, I, you know, I would hate to go into a restaurant and be told that I'm getting soul and, and to be sold tilapia instead. I, I would be quite irate if I was the customer of that restaurant. So, yeah, I don't know. What your really? thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm, that, that was the thing that, that stuck out. And, and I think about um, comparing – this misbranding, mislabeling, misrepresentation of a product um, uh, compared to what a restaurant might receive in a fine if they led to an illness, and it's not even in the same magnitude, right? Like, like they may, um, it, I'm, you know, they they may have, uh, they may be shut down, they may have to, you know, lose their their license and have to pay for relicensing, but. A, a a civil fine for illness is is usually drastically less than this, and so that it leads to this other sort of larger conversation about how um, being defrauded or frauded. I don't know what the right right term is, but but having having someone like pull one over on you um, is more problematic society wise than if someone made a bunch of people sick right like it's it's a different you know the just the the way that the the laws are set up and the way that it's um that it's applied now obviously for some of our larger outbreaks that we see there are these um civil cases but when it comes to a fine um you know we don't we don't see $120,000 fines for you know restaurants that that may have done something incorrectly against the um, the standards that are adopted as part of the model food code in a state and and that information is proven um, uh, you know we, we just don't see the same kind of fines yeah so I tell me so I, I have no knowledge in this area what what are the typical fines that a restaurant might receive in the case of food poisoning well so I let's come let's come back to that let's okay. let's put that to the list of, of follow-up. Okay. Um, I know that uh, a few cases that I've I've seen here where um, someone may be fined for being outside of like there's an illness that it may be in the hundreds of dollars, um, and that in, in and I think that's very much jurisdiction to jurisdiction in, in in the U.S. where some of these large fines like this maybe in the thirty forty fifty thousand dollar range would be more common in like provinces like Alberta. Um, for for illness illnesses, but in the U.S., I think I think those fines are much are much smaller. But let's let, let's come back to that in our next episode. Okay. Um, and then I, I want to, uh, if we're done with if we're done with fish, I want to do a follow. I want to follow up on the honey. Yeah. Um, and so first of all, I saw this story, and so it is a really good story. Like it's an example of how you do investigative journalism. It's a real, it's a well-written story. It's a detailed story. Um, and also interestingly, it's from 2011 and, and I didn't realize that it was, uh, what exactly what the context was, but there's another post, which we will also link to from food safety news. Um, 
which is uh, uh, a post by Bill Marler, and the headline of the, the follow-up post says, Andrew Schneider, great journalist and great guy, passes. And, and so this is, an, is basically an article in commemoration of uh, Andrew Schneider, who is an investigative reporter and public health journalist who died um, uh, just uh, last week. And so he, he actually worked for uh, Marler at Food Safety News in 2011 when he wrote this story on honey. And so the, the reason why uh, Bill um, uh, uh, blogged about or tweeted about or posted about uh, the honey story was basically just as a reflection of, of the great work that uh, that Andrew Schneider did. And so um, – and, and actually there's there's been follow-up since this story broke in 2011 and, and maybe the honey supply is less um, – is the, the – uh, the, the adulteration or, or fraud in the honey industry is perhaps better, but it's a really, it's just an example of like why journalists are so important. Like a guy that it, you know just basically digs into this story, he gets, he does his homework, he figures out. I mean, I, I am so in awe of journalists as people who are not experts who can wade into a story and can really tell a tell a, a tale, right? Tell a great story about something and put it in words that I can relate to as a, a scientist, right, but also as a person who, who does uh, consume honey. And it's just, it's just a nice piece of writing. Uh, and the fact that it is not current is, it makes it only slightly less uh, valuable. It's still just really interesting as a piece of journalism. So I wanted to offer that. Um, that clarification, and we'll link to the to to, to Bill's post about about Schneider, but uh, we'll also link to the the honey uh, the, the honey story. So good 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 story, and just uh, it's it's a long it's a long article, but it's well worth your time to read. I, I read it just absolutely fascinated. Cool. And then uh, and then finally, let's come back to this. So I had not seen this uh, Dalhousie um, article. So uh, so so tell me, Ben, are Canadians concerned about food fraud? I don't know. So, Don, uh, you know how we've talked about uh, press release before publication? Yep. Yeah. Uh, ding. Ding. <laughs> oh. oh. I don't know. Yeah, nice press oh. release from Dalhousie University oh. uh, um, from the Dean of Management, Sylvain Charlebois, um, who's uh, done a lot of this kind of stuff in the past where it's like there's a report on ranking – um, the safety of food systems in different countries, and and then it's really hard for you to get your hands on the data and how they ranked it. And here's another one. So, the study titled "Food Fraud and Risk Perception Awareness in Canada and Projected Trust on Risk Mitigating Agents." Um, that's the name of it. Uh, doesn't doesn't really seem to exist anywhere. And so far, uh, someone even posted in the comments field, please include links to the underlying studies in the report, such as this, thanks. And there was no reply. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we, let's, you know, we'll take that as, as, it, as it is. Um, let's, let's, uh, it, let's assume there's a study. Let's assume that it's gone through peer review for the uh, uh, benefit of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, basically is a survey of uh, Canadians. Um, of those surveyed, I think it was 1,000, yeah, 1,088 Canadians. Of those surveyed, 42% believe that they have bought a counterfeit food product at some point. Um, and seafood and fish were the top selected categories. Um, and uh, if they, when they were asked where they purchased the fraudulent food item, they said at regular grocery stores. Um, and so it's. I think there's you know uh, 
that people get asked questions about um, perceptions and they report perceptions and whether they, um, uh, you know, whether that factors into their decision making or not, I don't know. Well, and and so there's a quote from Dr. Charlebois: the fact that more than 40 percent of Canadians believe that they have bought a counterfeit food product is alarming. Um, is the quote from him, and I would say um, no, no. Um, I'm just curious how they know that. Yeah, right. I, I don't. I don't think it's alarming. I mean, I'm sure there's a certain fraction of Canadians that believe that they were abducted by aliens, but that doesn't, that's alarming. That, doesn't, that that yeah, that, that that's alarming. That if Canadians were actually uh, uh, you know abducted by aliens, but that's only their opinion, man. Right. Right. <laughs> to, to, quote, to quote the Big Lebowski. Um, what about, uh, like, okay, so let me, you know, we, we've talked on Barf Blog about surveys and limitations and I, and I employ survey methodology, um, in, in some of the work that, that I do, but not on its own, right? Like, like I, I feel like it's important to triangulate data like this and, and it's not the gold standard to just ask people about things. So Don, let me pose a question to you. Um, do you think that you've ever um, consumed something that you purchased fraudulently, or that was has made that <laughs> was counterfeit? That's a different question, Ben. That's a different it's question. I think I, I might not have I might not have phrased that correctly. I'm I'm uh, pretty sure I have never. If, if the FBI is listening, I have never purchased anything fraudulently. Okay, good. Um, so let's see. Let me ask this in a in a in a better way. Do you think you've ever purchased any food that was uh, that was misbranded? That was not what it said it was. Ever? I don't think so. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Right. That's my answer. I don't know. I've certainly I've certainly purchased food that did not meet my quality standards. We've talked about that before on the podcast, but. Alarming. It's yeah, alarming. Well, not really. I just called the eight hundred number and they sent me a coupon, so I was yeah. okay with that. Um, yeah. I, I how how would you know? I don't I, know. I don't. How would you know? It's yeah. It's like, did you? Let's ask a question of like, did you ever purchase anything that didn't taste good? Sure. Forty percent say have yes. You, have you alarming? Food doesn't have, taste good. Yeah. Have, do you yeah. Ever, have you ever um, eaten food that's given you food poisoning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I probably have. I couldn't always tell you what it was, but I can tell you that I definitely experienced symptoms consistent with food poisoning. Have you ever gone through a drive-through and received the wrong order? Yes. Alarming. More than forty percent of people have said that they've done that. Right? I ordered something. They gave me something else. Yeah. Fraudulent food items. Oh dear. Anyway, yeah. Um, I saw this and I was like, okay, well. Hey, there you go. There's there's a there's a thing. There's a thing in the in the in the in the pressers. In the, in let's let, can we talk about presser? Yeah. Is what the hell? What the hell? When did we start calling press conferences pressers? I this I, don't I, I want the answer to this, Ben. This is this is nonsense. We shouldn't. We should call them by their full name. Which is not goddamn Australia, where we diminutize everything. They're press conferences. They're not pressers. What the hell? They're at uni. It's a presser oh. at uni. Um, I don't know when, when it started. I, I know about it from, I think, watching Veep, which is a fantastic show. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't – just call it a call it a press conference. Exactly. Call it a, a formal uh, gathering of media uh, to, uh, uh, to ask and, and have questions answered. 
um, or uh, or call it a presser. It's you, know what, you, you know what a presser is, Ben? Someone uh, who irons clothes. That's a presser. Oh, okay. Not, not a press conference. A press conference is a press conference. Oh my god! Uh, uh, it's got me so angry, Ben. It is. You I, you're fired up. Do you know the first known use of presser? No. According to uh, uh, Merriam-Webster, 1503. Whoa. I, I, but I, I don't know if, it, uh, uh, if they're talking about the same presser. Um, also, uh, Merriam-Webster website uh, would say that the word presser is uh, in the top 30% of words. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great word, Ben. It's a great word. It is. Well, it's in my it's top. It's one of the best. It's in my top, if I had a hundred words, it'd be in my top thirty. It's in my top thirty percent. Oh, it definitely would not be in my top thirty. That's that's ridiculous. Uh, it's uh, it's in your, maybe it's in your top thirty percent then. I I don't know. I don't. Oh, know. Presser? Why would you even use that? That's uh, press, as in printing press. That's important. Uh, press, as in I'm going to press the point. Uh, press or the freedom of the press. Um, that's good. Presser? No, no. No presser. No, no, no pressers. We should have a presser. We should, do you think we're going to do a presser when we do the live podcast? Let's do no. the podcast and then do a presser right afterwards. We could do a press we, conference. We could do a press release. Could do you think Melissa McCarthy would join us? Because <laughs> I, I would do a presser. I would, I would do a presser if Melissa McCarthy joined us. Yeah, that would be amazing. I I think. I mean, is she from Minnesota? That's where we might be going. She's. I think she's from one of those upper Midwest states. Melissa. Uh, tick 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 tick. Oh, we'll find out. Hey, uh, speaking of Minnesota, um, you know they got uh, they got some botulism in uh, pepper fish and Vita sauce. Oh, so she she was born in Plainfield, Illinois. So you're right on that. Um, uh, I had not heard about this botulism. Tell me about this. Okay, so there's no illnesses, but uh, some really sketchy looking stuff that looks that was made by um, Durkani Food Processing. Uh, has been recalled because um, there is uh, they were improperly processed, or the Minnesota Department of Agriculture can't verify if they were properly processed. And um, yeah, I'm not. I don't usually like care too much about um, recalls uh, that don't lead to illnesses um, because there's just so many of them. Um, but this one I, I wanted to talk about because it's a pepper sauce that looks like it's it's canned. And uh, it, it says things like "keep in a cool, dry place." And, the- uh, it's the, we'll link to the we'll link to the presser uh, from the MDA, um, uh, and it's just it just looks uh, yeah it looks like something that you would make in a laboratory. It's got the label slapped on it. It's kind of crooked. It's a it's a printed label. It's got a bunch of different fonts on it. Um, yeah, it really, uh, it really looks, uh, it's got a, it's got an address and a phone number. So, uh, it good, good, good for Duke, Duke Carani, uh, food processing. But, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this, this is the kind of thing that, um, I would never buy in a store and I would, <laughs> I wouldn't, <laughs> it's probably fake food. It's um, fake food. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is, this, is, uh, some scary stuff here, Ben. What about with this one? Um, it has an expiration date of November thirty first, two thousand and sixteen. Um, what what would make a 
a canned food have an expiration date if if it was processed correctly or can I don't know. Well, there's I mean, just so much we, here, right? We, I think we have talked that um, the canned foods, you know, generally uh, will only be will for best quality should be consumed within within two years to for nutritional content um, within two years. But obviously, if it's if it's safe. It's going to be safe, right. safe at day zero and safe at day uh, whatever. You know, plug in your favorite number. It just might not be be taste good or 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 match the nutritional label. So, well, and the other thing that I thought was awesome about this um, was that November only has thirty days. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so does it expire? Does it never expire? Oh, I guess it never expires. Right? Like it's it, if you know. It, November seventy uh, sixth, uh, uh, year uh, twenty seventeen forty forty six. Uh, you know, I just don't know. Anyway, there's a lot. There's a lot here that I thought. Oh, it's it's notable for reasons that are that have nothing to do with botulism. Just for the label. Yeah. My, my advice to people: don't don't buy food that looks like this. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. Yeah, anything that looks like but, a label that now, you might have printed at home, uh, don't don't buy that. Now, and um, but it doesn't mean that if there's a really fancy label on it that it was processed correctly either. That is true. So yeah, but this this to me is like, eh, not really sure if these folks are putting a lot into um, into the food safety world. And also, do you know what Vita is? I have no idea. I was going to ask you the same thing. Yeah, I couldn't figure it out. Um, it's, natural, it's a f- yeah, so Beneseed, uh, which is composed of natural sesame seeds, Vita, and fish. It sounds disgusting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Vita is, but um, if anybody, if anybody could just let us know, uh, that would be great. Like, there's, I don't know. Um, other things I wanted to talk to you about. What do you got? What do you got? Anything else right now? Uh, I'm ready for. Let me do some digging. Let me do some digging here. Okay. You go. You you talk. You you, t- you take control here. All right. So I will I will read to you from uh, Merriam-Webster. Uh, Beneseed. Uh, definition of Beneseed. Sesame. <laughs> There oh. we go. Uh, sesame is a widely cultivated, chiefly crop, tropical or subtropical annual erect herb uh, uh, of the family Pedaliaceae. Its uh, small seeds are used especially as a source of oil and a flavoring agent. Oh, well, there you go. So there you go. Um, so I still don't know what Vita, sesame seeds, yeah. Vita, and fish would be. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't figure it out. Um, okay, so I had two more things that I want to talk to you about. Sure. I was uh, I was on the tutor um, uh, a, a week and a half ago. Is that a euphemism uh, for pooping? It it is. I was on the I was on the tutor. I was also had my Twitter app open, <laughs> and um, the uh, Canadian Partnership uh, for Food Safety Education, uh, I think that's what they're called. C P C F S E, um, B Food So it's like the the Partnership for Food Safety Education here in the U S. But it's the Canadian group. Um, yeah, Canadian Partnership for Consumer Food Safety Education. Maybe I didn't say that. Um, they tweeted something while I was watching TV one night, um, and that said, hashtag safe food fact. Fully cooked ham is fresh for three to four days in the refrigerator at four degrees Celsius. And so I kind of went back at them and said, fresh equals safe. Deli sliced or whole. Listeria monocytogenes is the risk here, right? And um, 
and I was, I guess, you know, like in, as Twitter goes, um, I was, I was trying to be like, what, tell me more. What are you even, what are you trying to say here? Like fresh, you're the food safety group, but you're talking about freshness and that drives me crazy. Um, like, like the use of presser, right? I hate that we, um, that we have agencies, that we have organizations that, that want to confound safety and quality on purpose without saying, here's how you make decisions for safety. Quality is a different situation. Here's how you make decisions on quality. When you start putting them together, it, it, it just gets confusing. Well, and people are confused enough without so-called experts um, like further confusing them, right? And I think part of the reason why people are confused today is that in the past, we, and I'll, I'll throw all of uh, extension under the bus, we have conflated these things in the past. Yeah. Right? And and part of what we've discovered through this podcast is that you and I agree that that it, we should separate those things. Yeah, we should we should separate them. And, and although... Um, a consumer might not separate them, right? Like, like uh, you know, we, we've talked about doing um, lots and lots of media around and best buy dates and best before dates and all in expiration dates, all the stuff that we just sort of alluded to where the difference between spoilage and safety, right? Like that, that is ultimately the first part of the conversation on an interview on, on labels and dates. Um, and so, so it's like, well, there's they're different and we make decisions differently so let's just like let's just own up and and talk about that so anyway i i tweet it and and i kind of like walk away from it i was being a bit of a, a like a dick about it like oh uh, i don't know what you're saying so then then i get a direct message um from someone um uh, named lisa at the uh, partnership for food safety education she may less she may listen to the um to the podcast um so anyway i'm all um she said I'm a new staff person. I wanted to ask you about your response to one of our tweets on cooked ham. This was meant to address shelf life and, sh- and safe storage times. We've been using some tweets that were generated before I came on board. So I want to understand and make sure that you that they're all worded well. Can you expand on your question about this tweet? Thanks. Um, and then she gave me some nice, like, you know, nice words. I really enjoyed your presentation at a conference, which is nice. Anyway, I, that that so so we we engaged. And I actually. Um, have parked this direct message and I was, and I was for us to talk about it because this is the, the thing is a science-based message. I think would be if you've got your refrigerator set below four degrees Celsius, below 41 um, Fahrenheit, three to four days for, for freshness really isn't it. It's you're looking at seven days for safety reasons. If you set your threshold at one log increase of listeria monocytogenes in that ham now the difference and and we've talked about this and there uh, quite a bit the difference between four degrees celsius and six degrees celsius is drastic the difference between four degrees celsius and seven degrees celsius is even even bigger and now you're looking at two three days where you're going to get that one log growth of of lm in that in that ham and so Three to four days, like I, I, there, we're, we become, I think, overcautious, and maybe it's because we know that not a lot of refrigerators are set at that temperature, and that there are a lot of assumptions made. But we we become overcautious with our with our time frame and with our messages because we try to distill them into a 140 character tweet. And it's well, not and, easy and, to do. And err on the side of safety, right? And err on the side of safety, yeah. So. So I, I don't know. For me, I think that the 
like the me- the message is it's complicated and it depends but here are the things that it depends on right right like like that that if you know your fridge is set below 4 degrees celsius then 3 to 4 days might give you the most freshest but it's still going to be at the at, at a similar level of safety after 6 days and on day seven, it's going to become, a, you know, we're we're now in this one log growth, and it's and it's slow, slowly getting to that, right? Like it's definitely got the potential to grow slowly, and is in day one versus day three versus day six are, um, you, you you may you're increasing growth, and you may be increasing um, your risk depending on what the what the starting amount is. But but all that stuff, like I think we just try to be too simple, and that that becomes problematic. Well, and, and I guess the question, so one th- solution is to put a link in the tweet to, you know, a more detailed explanation on the website. But so, but let's, let's, let's step back for a minute and say, okay, let's say suddenly it was your job to communicate yeah. to the Canadian public via Twitter about this. What would you do? I think I would say, come look at our link for safety uh, information. I think I would keep the freshness out of it. I would keep the quality stuff out of that because it's so subjective. And I really would maybe have two or three uh, um, tweets that talk about Listeria grows at refrigeration temperatures. Listeria in um, in deli meats historically has uh, has has been an, uh, an issue, but that's been on the on the down downward trend. And um, know what temperature your refrigerator is before you make some decisions on on waste. Like I, I would hate, I, I I don't like that we that tweets like that where we try to simplify things could lead to someone looking at that and being like, I should throw out my 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 ham because it's not fresh right now, and that could lead to to food waste that we don't we don't need from a safety standpoint. Right, and I get yeah. So I, I would I would that's that's actually good. So I think one one clear thing that you could tweet about is for. Because you, what you want to do is you want to affect behavior change, right? And so one thing you want is for safety and quality, check your refrigerator temperature. It should be below X, right? And you yeah. can decide what X is. Um, that's a clear message. Um, and then say these products are at risk of listeria. So be aware of that if you are pregnant, for example. Um, yeah, so there, I think there are some things that you could communicate within 140 characters, and maybe there are certain ideas that you should just not try to deal with in 140 characters because you're not going to be successful. Yeah, or or do it in multiple 140 characters because I think the the culture of Twitter um, has evolved to to have acceptable. Um, you know, this is tweet one of three. Here are my here are my longer form messages, and get involved in this thread because it's not. I'm not doing this as a single tweet. Yeah, I, am, it, I have I have mixed feelings about the multiple tweet, um, and I guess it, on the one hand, I'm in favor of it um, because I understand like that's a way to communicate something, uh, but I think that it's also becomes very difficult to link to that and, and it is, yes. I, you know i often see retweets and depending upon which app i'm using it sometimes works and sometimes sometimes works and sometimes doesn't work um so i i don't know i think we're we're sort of figuring it all uh, figuring it all out um you know uh, in terms of um in terms of twitter and and how we how we do stuff so i don't know yeah. it's uh yeah it's i don't know it's 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 still a work in progress i guess yeah well 
just to to uh, button this part up a little bit, um, kudos to to Lisa from the Partnership for Food Safety Consumer Education in Canada for reaching out and being like, "Hey, what do you what do you mean? <laughs> like, yeah. tell yes. tell me more, right? Um, instead of just ignoring me, right? Or 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 pushing back and and you know and like in a way that implies that they're right and you're wrong and they really don't care what you have to say. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That that is what social media is is about. Uh, is to be able to have these these conversations. So yeah, no. So so like you know, like I said, I was being kind of a dick about my tweet, and I probably didn't do a good job explaining what my questions were. Um, so thanks for for following back up, and and I'll uh, um, you know we'll 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 reengage on this. Exactly. Cool, cool, cool. Um, that's about it. That's all I got. Cool. I think that's a show. All right, I I could I could I could be down with that, yo. Yo, I could be. I'm I'm out. Oh, I'm out here. oh, what do you got? Well, I I I do want to talk a little bit about Twitter, but I can't find the Twitter account uh, that that I that I want to uh, I want to link to. But I just have to point out that. Um, I uh, and this is old news at this point. It's not fake news. It's just old news. I think about a week ago or so, um, I got a, re- a reply, a, t- a Twitter reply from uh, David Simon <clears throat> from the Wire. Oh, yes, so, uh, yeah. So that was pretty cool. So somebody is tweeting something um, humorous about a script from the Wire, um, which is not a real script. Which is just horrible. And I tweeted uh, that somewhere, um, you know. Uh, uh, whatever David Simon's handle is, um, is rolling in his grave. And then he tweeted back like, yes, that's from the, uh, that's from the, 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 the seventh season of the wire or something. <laughs> it was, he, he, it was somebody just, you know, t- tweeting something horrible, you know, script for the, for the wire. And, uh, he, he took it in, uh, with, with good, 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 good humor. And so, uh, I, I, uh, I, I enjoyed that very much. Oh, awesome. Good. I like it when we, uh, um, interact with the with the famous people, and they uh, they like to interact back with us. That's Indeed. nice. Indeed, that's very nice. It's it's very, it's very nice. Uh, cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's call it a call it a show. Uh, food safety talk. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, check out the show notes on the website. Follow us on the Twitter. Um, you can find us on the internet. That's where Don and I hang out most of the time. Anyway. And that's that's it. Bye. Bye.
Cool. All right. Yeah, David Simon for some reason is A O Despair on Twitter. I don't I don't quite uh, understand why, but uh, that's okay. He's he's right. worth he's worth following on Twitter. He has good stuff to say, uh, um, stuff about popular culture as well as uh, Baltimore and, and stuff. So yeah, nice. I'll check him out. Oh, hey, so you know how we talked about Eero a couple of uh, episodes ago? Yes. And, and, yeah. So one of my Eero units, um, like, bricked. Really? And Yeah, so it was doing an update, and one of them updated, and the other one didn't update, and then I tried to reset it and using all of the, the troubleshooting, and, they're like, and it didn't work. So I called them, like, Sunday afternoon, um, and uh, they sent me a new one, and it arrived, like, um, Tuesday morning. And was like, yeah, here, sorry, sorry about that. Like, the customer service was Whoa. amazing. Yeah. Cool. So, good job, Eero. Those yes. guys are, they're awesome. And it, um, and so I ran a, just a one Eero uh, uh, network for uh, a couple, you know, a few days, I guess. And it was fine. It wasn't too bad at all. Huh. On my front porch, I couldn't get it, um, which, and, uh, and, and, but yeah, it was, it, it worked all right with just the one. Well, that's good. Yeah, so I guess it's not really a mesh network if it's just one, but... It was, no, I think it was just a me. There's no SH on the mesh. Uh-huh. Get it? Get it? <laughs> Boom. They're like a, it's like a uni. Ding, ding, where's my yeah, bell? Yeah. There we go. Um, cool. So we got, we got that sorted out. Um... Are you are you in, in May? Are you going to go to the uh, face-to-face uh, FSPCA meeting? I am. We gotta we gotta figure out this uh, executive stuff before then. Okay, what what, yeah. what do we have? To well, no, about? like from the last one, remember it was like we got to come up with some plans on moving that that organization forward mm-hmm. from. So so we have to do. I'm I, I'm this more me saying it to myself. Like we just have to do do a little bit of work to help them move forward. Mm. But you're the president. I'm, I'm not. I'm the uh, no. the chair. Chair. Sorry. Yeah. I would. I'm glad. I, the president. I'm not very presidential. But you're, very, very, you're very chair, chairmanly. I, I'm, I'm very chairmanly. I don't. I don't tweet enough to be a president. <laughs> I don't. I, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I'm with you. I'm glad that John Oliver's back. Uh, Samantha B uh, had a great episode last week as well. Um, and you know who's really uh, hitting hitting his stride in this whole uh, political commentary. Uh, Seth Myers. You ever watch that show? I I just just on the internet from time to time I watch yeah. the segment. So yeah, yeah. He's he, he's got these like a, a closer look uh, in depth things, and it's uh, he's done pretty well. I, I'm enjoying those. It's it's now become uh, the first ten minutes. We'll we'll watch it, and then we I have no interest in the guests. Huh? Yeah. So, yeah. It's on the Hulu, so we watch yeah. it there. Yeah. Yeah. I, we I I paid for Hulu because there was something we wanted to watch. Um and I so I got my I took the first first month uh, free um for something I don't remember now what and now I've started paying for it so we need to find something to watch on it or or get rid of it. No. Well, um I um what do we watch on it? We watch The Daily Show cuz it's there it exists there mm-hmm. and we watch um Jimmy Fallon. The boys watch a bunch of stuff on Hulu. All the Nickelodeon shows are there. So if you're into uh, tween um, uh, shows about um, like talking dogs or a family of superheroes or um, uh, like uh, pre-teen or early teen girls that are going to camp, uh, then you can watch those shows there with my children because they love them. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. The, uh, no, but but thanks. It's good to know. The, yeah, Jesse, the Thundermans, and uh, Mr. Young, which is the new one that they've discovered. Which uh, Mr. Young, uh, very an, another very creative title. It's about a, a a teacher, a science teacher in a high school who is a teenager himself, who is young, and his last name Young. Oh my gosh! I see what yeah. they did there. Oh my gosh! Yes. So. Yeah, we got that. That's uh, people are happy about that one in my house. In my, and by people, I mean the Your six kids. year old and the eight year old. Yeah, yeah. The rest of us are not happy. Oh, another thing that's going on in my life that I didn't tell you about is that we are dog sitting for uh, Sarah Kirby, who you know from Facebook, mm-hmm. and uh, she has a uh, cousin of Stanley's, Jed, um, who we've dogs at before, and these dogs together are insane. They're bananas. They bark. One of them will ultimately pick up something. Mm-hmm. That something might be a root from a plant. It might be someone's shoe. The other one will then just incessantly bark at that other dog. This is the the cycle that we are living in currently. Uh, I, I don't know how to make them stop. They just bark a lot. Yeah, it's, it's like kids. Like having two dogs is definitely more trouble than more than twice as much trouble as one dog. So our backyard is a mess because the dogs play and they run around more than if it was just one. And then they dig holes and oh my god, it's just and then same thing. Like one one will bark uh, uh, at something outside and then the other will start to bark and uh, and it's it's nice because they keep each other entertained, but. Yeah, it's just definitely uh, – anyway, the good news is that Bianca is uh, settling down. She's not – she's sort of one – roughly one year old and so she's – we've been working with her a lot and so she's not nearly as bad as like some of the bad puppy misbehaving. She's getting better but boy, just – yeah, she's – and it's – you know, it's good. just entertainment for Gibbs but it's – yeah, like, my backyard is trashed. Like they tire themselves out. So at yeah, night that's nice. it's good. Right. But the daytime is chaos. Um, yeah, that's, that's what we're finding. Um, Jed, uh, escaped out of his crate, uh, one day this week while, um, I was at work and Danny was out and he found, um, an entire jar of peanut butter and we're not really sure where. And all we found for the first three hours was the lid and the, and the like label. Oh my gosh. And, and we're like, oh, well, he's clearly just eating the whole jar. Like the, yeah, the plastic. The plastic yeah, plastic and all. And then we found it underneath the, the couch because Stanley just barked at the couch for like an hour. And we're like, what's under, <laughs> what is it? And then he knew, knew that it rolled under there. Oh and it my was, gosh. And it was just like, like, like a, like a velociraptor had attacked this jar. Like it was destroyed. Oh, jeez. And neither of us could remember, like, how much peanut butter was in it. Like, he might have – it could have been, like, 20 ounces. I don't know. Wow. The dog got a lot of peanut butter. Or it could wow. have been, like, zero. I don't know. But Well, we, we, will, we will give our, <laughs> our, our dogs the uh, peanut butter jars, but they've never done that. That's, that's, that's out of control. It was. These dogs are, are insane. Uh, so, all right. Cool. Well, let's uh, go, go do some other stuff. All right. Sounds good. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.